We're in Matthew chapter 27, starting in verse 15 this morning. The word of God says this. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner whom they wanted. And they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? For he knew that this was out of envy that they had sent him to be delivered up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent word to him, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Man, that's a lesson right there. Listen to your wife or trouble's going to come. That's not the message. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? They all said, Let him be crucified. And he said, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. We're in this series called Set Apart, and today we're actually going to end this series because next week I've got a good friend of mine coming to preach, and so y'all invite your friends because I ain't preaching. So, praise the Lord. Uh, But uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be encouraging. I love bringing other men and women in ministry into the house to preach the word because I truly believe that I'm not the only one anointed and equipped to do that. And sometimes it's great for me to sit with you guys as a church, as a family, and receive as well. So I'm super excited about next week. But uh, these last two weeks, we've, we've really begun to talk about what does it look like as a follower of Jesus to live set apart from the world. And, and the first week, we talked about we've got to listen up, we've got to think right, and we have to live low. We, we've got to take on this humble spirit and live low as his followers. And then last week, we talked about the power of comparison. And if we're not careful, we will fall into the trap of measuring our life with a stick as opposed to stepping on the scale. I, want, I just got to ask, how many of y'all honestly went home and stepped on a scale to see how much you weighed after last week's message? All right, good. That was not the intent of the message. I was waiting to get that phone call. Pastor, you told my wife to step on the scale. Praise the Lord, I didn't get any of those. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is a little different, but it's just titled this, Forgiveness and Barabbas. Forgiveness and Barabbas. Because I want to break down how as followers of Jesus, we can live set apart by the way that we choose to love. To live set apart, we must love as Jesus loves. Can y'all say that with me this morning? All right, ready? One, two, three. To live set apart, we must love as Jesus loves. Why is this important? Well, the Bible doesn't say that the world will know you as his disciples by how many scriptures you memorize. Right? It doesn't say the world will know that you are my disciples because you write a tithe to the church. It doesn't say the world will know you are my disciples by the way you attend church. What does it say? The world will know you are my disciples by the way you love. 
And yet, for some reason, people who call themselves Christians, not just in our nation, but around the world, are often criticized as the most hateful and judgmental group of people. Why? Because we start following Jesus, we start following God, and we know that we're following the way. And we immediately begin to think that we're better than somebody else. That, that we're different than somebody else. And sometimes we have to remember that as a follower of Jesus, there was a point in your life that you needed to be saved. I mean, I just want to tell somebody that that's forgotten that. Maybe you're, you're older in life and you're like, well, I don't know my purpose. Here's your purpose. Go tell the young people that there's a Savior in heaven named Jesus who loves them so much that he died on a cross for them. And when you were young, you submitted your life to Jesus and it changed your life forever. We've got to remember that we too also needed a Savior at some point in our life. And if you're in the room this morning and you don't yet know Jesus, I'm here to tell you he is your Savior. He loves you so much. He loves you unconditionally and radically so much that he gave his life on a cross for you. And you wonder why you're here today battling that addiction. You wonder why you're here today not feeling like you're fulfilling your purpose in life. Well, I'm here to tell you it's because you do not yet know the one who made you. And a life submitted to him will reveal not just your purpose, but you will get to experience his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. If we are going to truly love as Jesus loves, we have to understand that forgiveness is a key part in this. Jesus loves unconditionally. I, I believe there's two main ways that Jesus loves, and the first is this. Jesus loves unconditionally. We, we live in a culture that celebrates and honors conditional love. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Follow for a follow. If I show up to this thing, you better show up to this thing. If I do this for your kid, you better do this for my kid. We, we look at all of this love as, as conditional. It's all based on what each person is bringing to the table. And we find friends with connections or money or followers. And we make friends with them because we think it's going to take us further. But all throughout Jesus' ministry, I see the way he loves and it's always unconditionally, it's never based on condition. It's never based on, hey, if you stop sinning, I'll love you. No, it's, hey, I love you, I forgive you, go and sin no more. It, it was always unconditional love. I find it so interesting in Luke 17, Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 17, 1 in the King James Version, it is impossible that no offenses will come. We are living in a culture that is so easily offended. And just think about it. Jesus is telling this to his disciples back then. And social media wasn't even a thing yet. So can you imagine if it was true then that Jesus had to remind his disciples, hey, it is going to be impossible that no offenses will come. How much more important do we need to hear that message today? Because some of y'all think that you're going to live life and either A, you fall into one of two categories. You don't think you're ever going to offend anybody and when you do, it breaks you. Or you're on the other side of the coin and you think everything everyone says is offending. 
It's offensive to say that. It's offensive to do that. Here, let me put it in Pastor Michael's translation. You're going to have drama, trauma, your daddy, and your mama. That's what Jesus is saying. You're going to have drama, trauma, your daddy, and your mama. And so the question is not, are we going to be offended? Are we going to get hurt? The question is, what do we do when it happens? How do we respond? And if we were to keep reading in Luke 17, 4, we see Jesus tell his disciples, hey, offenses are going to come. But if someone should come to you seven times in a day and still need forgiveness, you must still forgive them. And I love the disciples' answers. Well, if that's the case, Jesus, then we need more faith. Because if you've been hurt in this room, you know it takes faith to forgive. If you've been broken in this room, you know it takes faith to forgive. If you feel like you've been stepped on, someone's walked out on you, someone's given up on you, you know it takes faith to forgive. And so if we're going to truly live set apart, we have to understand that we have to choose to forgive. Culture would tell you, hold that grudge and cancel them. Jesus says, forgive as I have already forgiven you. And when we love as Jesus loves, we forgive those who even don't deserve it. We forgive those who did wrong. And if we're honest this morning, there might be some of us in this room that you'd say, well, pastor, I know I need to forgive them, but I just can't. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know how they treated my kid. Well, here's why forgiveness is so important. If love is one of our greatest needs and rejection is one of our greatest fears, then unforgiveness becomes one of our greatest temptations. Did y'all know that love is one of the greatest needs of any human being? Rejection is one of our greatest fears. And so if we desire love and if we fear rejection, then unforgiveness, even for the life of the follower of Jesus, is always going to be one of our greatest temptations. And if we're not careful, we will live in unforgiveness and it will steal the joy that Jesus wants us to live with. It will steal the breakthrough that Jesus wants us to experience. It will rob us of the anointing that God wants to send on our life. In Hebrews 12, we see unforgiveness referred to as a root of bitterness. A root of bitterness. And I found it so interesting when I was reading this week and I was praying and I thought back in my life and moments of my life where I really struggled to forgive people. And for those of you that don't know me, I have a pretty jacked up past, okay? That's all I'm going to say. Your pastor ain't perfect. He never was. He never will be. But I can tell you something. I've been restored and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm passionate because I want all people to experience that. I'm passionate because I know there are people being lied to by society, being lied to by the enemy, and that God's given me a voice to say, enemy, shut up and get the hell out. Go back to where you came from. 
And as I was reading in Hebrews 12, I, I was reading about this root of bitterness and I began to think about unforgiveness and grudges that I had built up in my life. And I found it interesting because I was believing a lie when I wasn't willing to forgive. And do you know what that lie is? You can only be mad at one person. I was believing the lie from the enemy that I could hold a grudge against just one person. I was believing a lie from the enemy that I could hate my ex-wife and just be happy with everyone else. And so I held on to this unforgiveness. I, I held on to this bitterness. And then I started reading in Hebrews 12 and it hit me like, you can't just hate one person. You can't just hold a grudge against one person. Because even if you're mad at them, it's going to impact the way you treat everyone else. Because unforgiveness, here's what it is. It's not a fruit issue. A fruit issue is just something that blossoms, grows, lives, dies, falls away. No, no, no. Unforgiveness is a root issue. It's foundational in our lives. And so if we're living in unforgiveness, what's happening is there's this root that's growing underneath the foundation of our lives. So every relationship we have is impacted by the root. Every job we take is impacted by the root. Every friendship we make is impacted by the root. Do not let the root of bitterness grow up in you. Hebrews 12, 15, because it will defile many. It's a lie to think that you can hold a grudge and not forgive just that one person because of what they've done. It will actually impact every relationship, every opportunity, every friendship in your life because it is a root issue. Here's what this sounds like. Can I be honest this morning? Y'all ain't going to get mad at me if I step on your toes. You may, be, you may still be mad at your mama, but it's going to impact how you treat your wife. You may still hold a grudge against your father because of the way he raised you, but if you don't forgive him, it's going to impact the way that you raise your children. You may be pissed off at that old boss that fired you, but if you haven't forgiven them yet, you're not going to be able to give 110% at your new job. Because it is a root issue. It's not a fruit. Do not let a root of bitterness grow up in you, for it will defile many. Here's a, something that I'm learning about roots. They choke things. Did y'all know that? How many of y'all have ever planted a tree and maybe had a water line snap because of a root? How many of y'all have ever planted a tree and had a gas line snap because you planted and the root was that roots like to choke things that were never meant to be choked? So what does the root of bitterness and unforgiveness choke? It chokes the vision that God has for your life, for your family, for this house, and for the anointing that he wants to put on your life. And if you live in unforgiveness, you are never going to see what God wants you to see because you're constantly being choked out. If someone's got their hand around your throat, your priority is not what's happening around you. Your priority is how the heck do I get this hand off? And I've seen too many followers of Jesus 
claim to know him, claim to serve the king, yet they're walking around with a chokehold on them. Hey, what if you do this? Hey, I want you to go love on those people. I can't do that. Hey, how about you go share Jesus with the alcoholic? I, can't, I haven't forgiven my alcoholic dad. Unforgiveness will choke you out if you're not careful. And what's crazy about choking, I don't know if anyone's ever had an allergic reaction to something before, but the choke out happens before you die. Here's my message to you if you're in this room and you're holding to unforgiveness right now and there's somebody on your heart that you need to forgive. Forgive them now before you die. Forgive them now before it's too late. Forgive them now before you run out of breath and you can't breathe anymore. I, I want to tell you what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not real quick because I think there's some misconceptions and I want to set some people free. Forgiveness is letting go. Forgiveness is trusting God. Forgiveness is choosing your future over your past. Forgiveness is remembering. Whew. That's not what Oprah said. <laughs> Oprah said, we got to forgive and forget. <laughs> That's what the enemy would say. But it's not forgive and forget. It's remember and forgive. It's remember and Forgive, not forgive and forget. The Bible says in Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Here's this key word. Remember. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. I'm not talking about remembering all of the pain. But the reality is, is if you've been through life like I have, there's going to be some experiences that you've walked through that you will never forget. And for some reason, you've been holding on to unforgiveness because you don't want to release and forget the pain that was there. You don't have to forget it <laughs> when you remember what he's done. You don't have to forget it when you can remember that he paid it all on the cross for you. You don't have to forget it when he can say, by your stripes, Jesus, I am healed. I am made whole. I am restored. I am redeemed. I'm not telling you to forget your past. I'm not telling you to forget the pain, but I'm telling you to remember your Savior. And what he's done for you. And through our remembrance, we can forgive. It actually says we must forgive others. Here's what forgiveness is not, though. It's not forgetting. It's not being a doormat. It's not accepting abuse. I'm just going to be honest. If you're in an abusive situation or relationship right now, you need to get help. You need to get out. And this church is here to love you and not judge you and help you out of it. But that's not what forgiveness is. Here's where I believe some people need to be set free. Forgiveness is not 
restoration. Forgiveness is not restoration. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, some of y'all need to forgive them and never talk to them again. Some of y'all need to forgive them, but go block them on Facebook. It's not the same thing. Forgiveness will always bring closure, but it does not guarantee restoration. And you're thinking, well, pastor, I can't forgive them because I don't ever want to be friends with them. I don't want to date them again. I don't want to be married to them again. You don't have to be to forgive them. And they don't even have to come ask you for forgiveness in order for you to set them free. Because the prisoner that forgiveness really sets free is not even them, it's you. Because what's it do? I said forgiveness, unforgiveness chokes. Who's it choking? Me, not the person that I need to forgive. So when I forgive, what happens? I'm set free. I now have my voice. I now have access to my heart. I can now love unconditionally. All people the way that Jesus has called us to love. Forgiveness will always bring closure. But it does not guarantee restoration. And the world is going to lie to you. The world's going to tell you otherwise. People are going to tell you otherwise. But we've got to understand and realize that we have been told. We've been given a command to forgive. It's not a suggestion like, hey, now that you're my followers, if you want to, go forgive. No, no, no. Remember, I forgave you, so you must forgive others. Jesus loved unconditionally, but he didn't just love like that. He also loved radically. And if we're going to live set apart as his followers, we have to love radically. Some of y'all are wondering why I opened with Matthew 27 and I haven't referenced it yet. We're getting there. I said the title of this message was Forgiveness and Barabbas. I believe forgiveness is the greatest example that we see in Jesus of his unconditional love. And I believe Barabbas is one of the greatest examples that we see of Jesus of what radical love truly looks like. Jesus loves radically. What I find so mind-blowing about this whole encounter, this whole interaction where Jesus and Barabbas and Pilate are on a platform and they're asking the people who they want to release. Pilate knows who the guilty one is and all the people know who the guilty one is. Barabbas knows who the guilty one is. Jesus knows who the guilty one is. And yet when Pilate asks and the crowd demands Barabbas, Jesus, our savior, king of the world, stood in silence. He didn't say anything. He was on that platform. He did not even deserve to be there. What did he do wrong? He healed. He loved. He forgave. He performed miracles. He multiplied food and fed thousands. What did he do wrong? And yet we see the great I am. Next to a prisoner who was a murderer, who was a traitor, Stand in silence when they asked for his 
release. I've listened to sermons, I've watched videos, I've watched movies that have referred to as the people being the ones who set Barabbas free. And when I was praying and reading this week, I felt the Lord say so clearly, it was not the people who set him free, it was me. It was not the people shouting, Barabbas, 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 who set him free. It was the King of Kings, it was the Lord of Lords, it was the Prince of Peace, it was the great I am. And in that moment, radical love was on display. Because here's what that shows us. Radical love says keep loving even when it is not deserved. Radical love says keep forgiving even when there is no apology. Radical love says keep giving even when no thanks is given. Radical love says keep blessing even when there is no gratitude received. Radical love says keep kindness flowing even when hate is returned. Because on that platform, Barabbas deserved all of the punishment that was coming his way. And yet our Jesus stood in his place and said, no, no, no. Let it be me. Let it be me. What was Jesus doing in this moment? I believe he was demonstrating to all of mankind that even though you deserve the punishment of death, I will take your place. Even though you deserve to carry that guilt and shame, throw it on me. Even though you are where you are because of what you did, I love you too much to let you stay in that place. Jesus says, I'm not going to just love you unconditionally and forgive all your wrongdoings. I'm going to love you radically and take your place. That cross we deserve, Jesus said, I'll carry it. The pain you deserve, oh, I guess I got to stop preaching. I mean, what do you need an alarm for right now? The, the Chiefs already lost. The Cowboys play tonight, and nobody likes the Denver Broncos. I mean, I'm just saying I, I, I'm planning on preaching till one, so. Here, I, I want you to listen to this. I want to restart this because I think this is so important. I wrote this in my, my notes this week. I wasn't even working on my sermon, but I just felt the Lord speaking these things to us as a church and to you personally where you might be because I've had conversations with people. And they said, Pastor, honestly, I deserve to be where I am. You don't know what I've said to my wife. You don't know how I've treated my kids. You, you don't know that the addictions that I have in the secret places that I don't tell you. I deserve the brokenness that is coming on my life. And I just feel like Jesus is wanting to set you free this morning and say, you may deserve it, but I want your place. 
He says, the cross you deserve, I will carry it. That pain you deserve, I will take it. That brokenness that you deserve, I'll receive it. You may deserve divorce because of what you did, but I'm going to restore it. You may deserve poverty because you did not steward faithfully, but I will redeem it. You may deserve that liver failure because you're an alcoholic, but I will heal you. I don't care what you've done. I will stand in your place. Because the truth of this story is we are Barabbas. We deserve all of it. We deserve the beatings. We deserve the nails. We deserve the mockery. And yet radical love said it's not about what you deserve. It's about who Jesus is. And thank goodness because Jesus is love. And because of his love for you, he said, I will take your place. I know some of y'all been distracted by this thing. But I intentionally turned it on at the beginning and just let it flow. Because I wanted to point out a picture to you this morning about what Jesus' love truly looks like. It looks like an open valve that just keeps flowing. And, and what I find so interesting in life is we see that this might be the way that Jesus loves. This is the way that Jesus has called his followers to love. But if we're really honest, life just sucks sometimes. And in our humanness, at some point we go through things. At some point things happen to us. At some point, things are said about us, and we take it in our power, and we think it's our position to walk over to the valve and turn it off. We didn't create it. You are not the author of love. Yet we walk over and we think it's our place because we've been hurt, because they said things to us, because we've got sin, because we're battling addiction, and we close it. And I just felt like the, the Lord told me, Pastor, you need to prophesy to the church again that we are called to keep the valve open. He said, I don't care what's been done to you. I don't care what's been said about you. I don't care what you've done, but you need to keep the flood flowing. You need to keep the valve open because you as the church are the example to the rest of the world of what my love is like. You need to keep restoration on the table. You need to keep revival on the table. And some days... Some days it's going to feel like a river flowing... Oh, but other days it's going to feel like a trickle. And I just hear the Lord saying, don't shut the valve. Parents in this room, if you've got grown children that are living away from the Lord, the Lord is telling you this morning, don't shut the valve. Yeah. 
I know it's going to be hard. I know you're not going to understand, but don't shut the valve. Parents in this room that have children that are being lied to and deceived and being said they can identify as whatever they want. Keep your door open. Keep the valve open. Don't shut the valve because you are who they need. That person that's talking bad about you, that person that says they hate you, that person that's calling you something that you're not, don't shut the valve. Keep the valve open because you are the very one that they need. Church, the world is looking to us for the answer. And if we don't live as Jesus has called us to live and love as he's demonstrated how we should love, we are not showing them anything. We've got to keep the valve open. But I got to be honest, and I'm closing up my message. That means I got about 30 minutes left. <laughs> Some of y'all would say, Pastor, I get it. I, I want to forgive. I, I want to love with radical love. I, I want to do all of these things. I honestly want to keep the valve open. And, I, and for some of you, I'll be honest, I think you actually have your valve open. The problem is, is it's empty. Yeah, y'all could walk up to me right after service today and say, hey, pastor, can I have a million dollars? I could count on not even one finger how fast I would tell you no. <laughs> and it's actually not because I don't want to give you a million dollars. It's because I don't have it. And, and what I've learned is that we can't give what we have not yet first received. And so you want to give forgiveness, but you haven't even received the forgiveness of Jesus. You want to give love, but you haven't even received his unconditional love in your life. You want to be a blessing to them, but you've never actually positioned yourself under the anointing and humility to receive the blessing of God. I'm just saying, y'all, there's some of us that we might have been seated in pews for our entire lives and we still find it hard to love people and we walk around and we just have this judgmental look of hate on our face all the time. I'm going to propose to you this morning, you may have never truly received the love of Jesus in your life before. Because when you have and when you've received it and when you keep the valve open, Love will always flow. Grace will always flow. Forgiveness will always flow. Generosity will always flow. Blessing will always flow. But you can't give what you have not yet received.